Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers, and welcome back to my podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about shame. Shame as a very powerful pattern in our lives. Shame really can paralyze us. It's a saboteur that damages us, that impairs us, that isolates us from others, and really incapacitates us because it's a sense of our own defectiveness. We feel uh, defective, and when we feel defective, we wanna run and hide and cover ourselves from that shame. Uh, it is hardwired as an emotion in us. Uh, we all have it, and as I said, it's a, it's a sense of being defected, being different than others, um, and it thrives in secrecy, in silence, and in judgments that carry no empathy. We have underlying beliefs such as these. I'm not enough. I'm just too small to make things okay. My needs won't be met. If I make mistakes, I'll be found out and I'll be embarrassed. I'm afraid to be ordinary. I'm gonna be rejected because I'm rejectable. I'll be discredited and humiliated. And humiliation is when someone else points out our flaws. Shame is when we do it to ourselves. Uh, we feel, you know, I have certain characteristics that make me unacceptable, and these characteristics are detected by others. So that makes me less than. There's something fundamentally wrong with me, something fundamentally wrong with my family. And so when we have these patterns of thought, these beliefs, we have patterns, uh, these constant expectations of shame um, because we think this is how everyone else sees us. Emotionally, we can feel very hopeless, powerless, mortified, uncomfortable, awkward, easily embarrassed. And embarrassment is a fleeting emotion but what is interesting about embarrassment is that it has a psychological marker to it. We blush when we're embarrassed. And um, it's to me, it's interesting how many times in scripture it talks about our faces being covered in shame. That part of us that's most seen, it shows up in our face and it makes us want to duck our head and hide when we're shamed or humiliated or embarrassment. Shame can also make us uh, become passive. You know, why should I try? I'm just gonna fail. I might make a mistake and look foolish. So it stops curiosity and it stops wonderful creativity um, that pushes us forward to learn and thrive because I'm now focusing on my personal defects. So I'm not open to creative new possibility and new ideas. It also affects relationships. Um, you know, I always feel ashamed, so now I have to stop you from saying things that might make me feel more ashamed, and so I often end up then blaming you. Shame just feels so bad, we want to push it away as blame, but it alienates us from others, and um, even if we think about others, we may be thinking about how much they're judging us. Probably not, but that's what we think. So it cuts us off from empathy and we end up striving. Shame is very narcissistic. It's very self-involved and self-centered. And the more silent we are about our shame, really about anything, but the more control it actually has over us. 
Shame carries the fear of disconnection because I've failed in some way. I'm unlovable. You won't want me. Uh, and so there's no bond of love and trust and acceptance there. Well, how does, how does shame develop? Well, when our needs aren't met, we feel shame. We can also feel it from abuse and neglect, abandonment, harsh discipline, past mistakes, failures, regrets. We compare ourselves with others and with cultural standards. Um, maybe we haven't ever been able to accept our minds or our bodies. We can carry a lot of body shame. And then, so we develop our own inner laws that uh, cultivate this constant set of uh, sense of shame because we're not living up to our own uh, inner laws. And especially if we have brought, been brought up in a lot of harsh discipline, <clears throat> we've usually been shamed into a performance mindset. And any kind of relationships that are full of shame and criticism and abuse really lead to us feeling bad. And then we have relationships with ourselves that way because we've internalized and turned that on ourselves. And children feel this, especially if there's no one to connect to and no one uh, to help them with this. So the child can carry such a sense of shame and then into adulthood, we end up with all these shoulds. Oh, I should have known better. I shouldn't have done that. I should try harder and so on. Just all of these shoulds because we're fearing punishment. And sometimes it'll even pull us into a lot of introspection, which is very dangerous and damaging. But if we've had a lot of punishment as a child, we'll internalize that. And then in introspection, we're trying to find our way out of that shame. But we end up turning on ourselves. Why did you do that? What were you thinking? Why are you so stupid? And so on. Or, you know, if I can fix myself, then I can get out of this mess. Um, so I want to just differentiate between toxic shame and sort of short-term situational shame. Toxic shame is what we carry for a long time. And, uh, it, you know, it's appropriate to feel shame when we've done something wrong, when we've sinned, but there's a remedy. That's confession and repentance and coming to the cross. And sometimes we need to go to others as well. But unfortunately, shame often takes up residence in us. And, and, and it operates like this shadow government within us. And it does overshadow everything. It's like a, it's, it's like a cloud that stays with us. Um, so here I'm talking about this unhealthy lingering shame this toxic shame. Uh, it, it just wants to say, you know, come sit with me or come let me sit with you. But scripture says that we have a position where we're seated and that's with Christ in heavenly places. So, um, you know, true guilt is a good thing. Uh, we, it helps us recognize we've done something wrong, but to continue in shame is really debilitating. And it takes us in a downward, inward kind of cycle where we over-identify with our mistakes. And it's it's a very, very poor motivator. It, in fact, it makes us wanna perform and strive. And anywhere we have toxic shame, uh, there's some element, at least an element of narcissism uh, and in narcissism, it's, it's not something we have, it's something we lack. We have like an inner core of shame where we feel so fragile 
and so uh, empty and we don't know how to deal with it relationally. And so we hide our insecurities because we think that way no one can hurt us and shame us. But what we end up for, forfeiting is real joy and real connection. And even our desires, a lot of people are ashamed of their own heart's desires and won't admit them. Addiction is very shame riddled. We, we come to addiction looking for a way to uh, not feel our shame, and yet addiction just creates more shame. So Max Licato calls it the enemy's commodity. I think that's a pretty good description. The enemy is the accuser, right? He accuses us day and night. He loves to stir our shame, our sense of defectiveness and inadequacy, and he inadequacy, and he loves to keep us believing those shame-based lies. And when we fall short, we often default to perfectionism. So Brene Brown, who's a researcher, wrote, where perfectionism exists, shame's always lurking. Perfectionism is an attempt to really avoid or minimize our pain. And boy, we get a lot of religious systems, heavy in rules, that create a lot of shame and perfectionism. And really it creates a disconnection from other Christians, not connections. So what's the antidote? Well, the only answer to our shame really is confidence in the righteousness of Christ and in his indwelling presence. His grace is a predator of our shame. We simply confess and repent of any unnamed sins and we lean into him and we receive his forgiveness. We take in his grace. We put on Christ. We take in his righteousness. It's not our own, it's his. And we really can walk free knowing he's with us and within us. Um, and when shame comes calling, we can confidently say, no, I, uh -uh, I stand in Christ's righteousness alone. You know, before sin fell on us, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed, it says in Genesis 2. And that's the position God wants to restore us to. Beautifully, Jesus carried our shame. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely our grief he bore, our sorrows he carried. Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. It was so shameful to be crucified on a cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was naked and shamed for our sake. And in doing that, he carried our shame. He bore it for us. We, we've got to realize, you know, you go back to Isaiah 61. I'm going to personalize it. Instead of my shame, I'll have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, I'll shout for joy over my portion. Therefore, I will possess a double portion and everlasting joy will be mine. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Jesus is not afraid to meet us in any place of our brokenness and even in the most shameful parts of us. He comes to meet us right there. He comes toward us but we have to open ourselves to him and come out into the light. It's interesting how full the Psalms are about shame. If you want a great 
therapist, just go to go to the Psalms. They're full of acknowledgement of shame, which is what the Lord invites us to, to acknowledge it. Uh, but what happens with us when we fall, we'll get into shame and shame will push us even further down. God's way is to lift us up out of that as we acknowledge it. Psalm 109 says that he stands at our right hand in that exposure. There's healing in the exposure where we let the light in, where we come to the light and tell the truth of what we're experiencing in our shame uh, in a confessional community, then we call it bluff. And others are there with us to see what's hiding, what's behind it. Um, we tell the secrets of our heart. You know, James 5 says, if we confess our faults to one another and pray for one another, we'll be healed. That includes shame. Uh, recently, I, I had that happen. I was with a group of friends and I was didn't realize it was shame I was feeling. Duh. Uh, that was kept hidden from me. But as I talked about what I was feeling, they helped me identify it. And as soon as I identify it, I was able to say, I see it. I'm letting it go. And then, of course, they encouraged me. And I'll tell you, the next day I woke up different. It didn't feel like that heaviness, that bugaboo was on me anymore. You know, to, to be personally inadequate, that's just part of our human experience. But we, we come out of that as we share in our communities with others. And anytime we notice that pattern, we can come to the Lord and we can come to others and we can ask him, Lord, are you convicting me of something? Because conviction of sin is different than just Oh, you know, that cloudy shame that we feel. Convictions, conviction shows us where we're wrong and, and you know that we need to do something about it. Shame just hangs on and hangs on. So Romans 8, Romans 7 is where Paul laments, uh, what I want to do, I don't do. What I hate, I do it. I have a desire to do what's good, but I can't seem to carry it out. Then we come to Romans 8. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. That's renewing the mind. That's part of what we have to do to come out of shame. So we bring it to the light, but we also have to exchange those lies we believe, those shoulds and uh, that judgment on ourselves. We exchange that with the truth. Um, and then he says in Romans 5, 5, hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Shame isn't part of what God gives us. It's what he lifts off of us. And we can stop that, that shame cycle. We have to come out of our way of seeing and come into the Lord's identity for us. Because shame is so much a part of the orphan heart. And as we develop our true self, our true identity in the Lord, as we believe him and know our shame has been taken up, we can live in freedom. Uh, there's a new song out by Josh Baldwin called I Was Made For More, and I want to read just this little part of it. So why would I make a bed in my shame when a fountain of grace is running my way? I am yours, and I was made for more. Why indeed? So let's ask the Lord to move us from these patterns of shame and condemnation into real freedom as we stand in our identity in Christ. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join me next time.